ったですね。来ると思った。やったね。Yeah, that was our Ben Wagner with the call of Los. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. No, that was the、uh, Japanese call of the.、Uh, uh, that was the Japanese call of.、Uh, that's great. Last night's 6 5 win over Mexico in the World Baseball Classic. It's Blair and Barker, Jeff Blair and Kevin Barker, Kevin Barker in Florida for a couple of days yet.、Um, <laughs> yeah.、Uh, Kevin, we've、uh, we spent a lot of time talking about、uh, the World Baseball Classic. It's. You know, I think there are some people who just want to kind of dismiss it. And,、um, yeah, I look, it, it, it is what it is. I don't think, honestly, I, I think if you've made your mind up about it already, it's probably not going to be changed regardless of how exciting it was. But,、uh, I mean, I got to tell you, that, that, was, that was pretty incredible last night. And just the, you know, I, I love the way Yonder Alonso, who's done a terrific job, by the way,、uh, on the.、Uh, As a color analyst for this, this telecast, I love the way he and Dave Fleming talked about Munataka Murakami and the decision. You've got two on. If you're the manager, this is guy's one of your studs. He's slumping. Do you move the runners over or do you show your faith in the guy and, and let him get a crack at it? And of course, they let him get a crack at it and he came through.、Um, yeah. Just, I, you know, it's just, it's, it's, This sounds really dumb, but. Don't say it. It's, no, it's, it's, it's interesting and in some ways reaffirming to know that the stuff you think about the game, this is one of the things I like about baseball. The stuff you think about the game in the United States or in North America is what you think about it with Japan. And what I mean is, I'm watching that game, I'm thinking, you've got to be kidding me. I mean, if, if a major league manager thought about. You know, dropping up, that would be like Bo Bichette being told to drop a bunt or something like that with two on. It, it was just, it, it was, was kind of cool because, I mean, that's a classic baseball story, right? Show faith in, your, in one of your big players and one of your big players comes through for you and you win. I mean, it's, it's just, it's a perfect narrative. Yeah, that, that inning, there, there was a lot to unpack there. You know,、uh, Otani comes to mind, first of all, being a giant human, stride separating, how much you have to get off your backside to have a level enough swing to have plate coverage. I mean, e- even the ball he hit, I think it is, it is at bat before that, he hits the little blooper to left field. It's plate coverage. The ball that he hits to right center for the double it, it, to lead off that inning, that's plate coverage. And then you're talking about the, the situation where you're trying to bunt a guy over. If you're the pitcher and you know a dude's Strokes. Just don't throw it down the middle. What do he do? He threw it right down the middle. Like that. Those are things when the lights are the brightest, right? You, you just have to know the, the surrounding, what's going on around you, knowing who's up and knowing if you make a decent pitch. Doesn't have to be a great pitch. Just don't throw it down the middle. What you do, you give him a chance to throw it right down the middle. And that gives a guy, right? It's, it's, the, it's the manager knowing your player well enough to know look, I know what the situation normally says we do. But I know who's up.、Mm-hmm. And I know if he just gets a decent pitch to hit because he's a, he's a good hitter, he's going to give a, our, our team a chance to win a baseball game late here. And this could carry over to the next game. And, and we're, you know, Japan and the manager knows that to beat the, the United States, you're probably going to need that guy to get some、yeah. big hits. And going in, can he have any more confidence? And, and that's what you need to know, right? Every once in a while, managers got to look at big picture here and go, look, I know what it says. But I know we're going to win this thing. We need this dude. We need him to be confident. And 
for it to work out that way. It's a lot. Of, there's a lot to, that un, un, unfolded in that inning, and it's just cool. I'm with you. Going to this thing, if you're a baseball fan, you love it. Yeah, if you're not a baseball fan, you're probably not even tuning in. No, and, and I think what I what I really what what made this so cool to me is like I didn't know anything about this guy. I, the, no. only, the, only re, the only reason I knew that he's one of the best hitters in Japan is because the first game I saw them play, one of the announcers said, hey, this guy is considered one of the best hitters in Japan. Fine. Uh, yeah. But yeah. It, it's just, I kind of, it's just cool to see that hold true. Got one of your best hitters, and the manager shows confidence in you, has faith in the guy, and he comes through. And Kevin, I, I mean, Japan now faces the United States in the final today. You've got tonight on Sportsnet, you've got Mike Trout against Shohei Otani. You know, you know, you know, even though Darvish isn't going to get the start, uh, Otani isn't going to get the start, it's going to be Shoto Imanagi. You know, I guarantee you right now, Shohei Otani is going to pitch in this game. And I'd love, I'd love, I'd love to see Shohei Otani against Mike Trout in like the eighth inning. I'd love to see the two Angels teammates uh, go up against each other. It, it, it's... I mean, I don't even know how to describe it. I don't know if we would have seen yeah. too many, it's, too many it's, showdowns like that with all this, on the this line. Is, this is simple. This is simple. What we've seen in the United States lineup the last couple of games, they've been punching first. You're going to punch a lot. Mm-hmm. If you've seen anything from Japan, they're not going to beat themselves. they got good enough pitching to hold deficits to give their lineup a chance to do something special like they did last night. So if you're the United States, you got to have some really good at-bats early, and you got to get after Japan. Like you got to do some things, put up a lot of crooked numbers, and continue to score. That's why D-Row, you ain't going to see no taking guys out with some, with some leads. No, no. No, you got to continue to score and try and put this thing away and keep scoring. And if you can do that, the, the, the old saying is good pitching beats good hitting. Well, yeah. we go find out. Yes, Because that are. lineup from the United States is great, and, and Japan's got some great pitching. So we're going to find out which one, which one comes ahead. But it's, it's going to be a great game. We said this to start. United States-Japan is what baseball needs yes. for just a fun factor. And now you have the little added matchups between Otani and Trout. The TV it's ratings. Be cool. The TV ratings will be off the chart in Japan for this, regardless of the time it's played. Yeah. They'll be off the chart. we got to talk about Absolutely. Masataka Yoshida because we spent a lot of the offseason saying, why aren't the Boston Red Sox going to do something? Uh, why haven't they done anything? Uh, you know, wh- where's the big move? Well, the guy that they signed, the little guy, five foot eight guy, comes through with the three run homer last night, uh, ties the game. He's had thirteen RBIs in the World Baseball Classic. I mean, it's a record now. You know, it's the record holding yeah. a record in the World Baseball Classics, like being the best downhill skier in Manitoba. It's not like there's been a thousand of them, right? So, mm-hmm. nonetheless, thirteen RBIs, thirteen RBI. I got to ask you, Kevin. We've seen this guy now for a couple of games. We're going to be seeing him in the American League East. The Red Sox have told everybody that, hey, we, we know what we're doing with this guy. We know what we're getting. This guy is going to be an important part of our lineup. What's your read on him so far? Yeah, yeah. I think if you're a left-handed pitcher, you don't throw a guy who who is not a true home run hitter, a, a changeup, 
so he can create loft. Like that that's one thing in big moments. You you power, you make him go the other way. If he hits a home run the other way, then you tip your hat to him. So for me, that was just a terrible pitch. Now, again, he's doing this in Boston, right? That that short porch and left with the green monster, that's going to help, right? It's, that's sort of like a, a bunt single when you're struggling. He's talked to David Ortiz all the time when I was in winter ball, and I said, what's that brain to you? And he said the exact same I, thing I just said is, it's sort of like a bunt single. When I'm struggling, I can let the ball travel. I don't even have to hit the ball hard to have success because of how short that little porch is in left field. You can get some cheap hits over there. So I'm assuming he'll he'll do those kind of things. I think he's going to be leading off for the Red Sox. I, what What's he going to do? Only time will tell, right? I, I think the first thing uh, United States pitchers are going to see if he can do is hit velocity. They're going to mix it around. They're going to, they're going to see if he can hit. They get the head out. They're going to see if he can hit the elevated fastball. Uh, they're going to then start to see if he shows them he can do that. Then it's going to see breaking ball and fastball counts. He can tell he's a good hitter. He knows what he's doing up there. He's got a decent plan. Does he have a ton of power? I don't know. I, only time will tell if he can grow into a little bit more power. I, you know, I know the American League East are playing in some shorter ballparks. Now he's going to go to the Rogers Center and fences are moved in. But he looks like a tough out, Jeff. Like mm-hmm. that's right. He's yeah. going to be decent with two strikes. To yeah. He's going to battle. Yeah, he's going to battle. Uh, it's it's going to be interesting to see what he evolves into. I, I, the only thing that I had seen when I was been watching, it's going to be a pain in the butt. You know, you're going to have to make some good pitches to him. You're going to have to be efficient with two strikes when you do get him with two strikes. So, yeah, you know, it's it's again, this is this is sort of what you're going to face if you're facing the Red Sox. Is you're you're going to face some guys you don't really know, mm-hmm. and you're going to have to make good pitches to him. He's one of them. 7 o'clock tonight on Sportsnet. Merrill Kelly gets a start for the U.S. Shota Imanaga for Japan, the final of the world. Baseball classic, the United States against Japan. The Blue Jays 21-year-old last night for Japan throwing 103, Jeff. 103, buddy. Yeah. He's consistently throwing 100. 100. I, did you, yeah, Passon sent out a tweet. I don't know if you saw Passon's tweet about his velo. It was basically 101, 101, 101, 100, 101, yeah. 102, 103. I, that was sick, Bart. I, that, that was... Jeff, and then, the, I, and then that... that 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 slider, ninety three mile an hour slider. I got to be honest. Well, you know the first person I thought of when I saw the ninety three mile an hour slider. That's exactly what Nate Pearson's supposed to look like. I hate to throw that on Nate Pearson, but every time we were yelling and screaming about that young Nate Pearson who's coming up, who's going to throw a hundred and ten, that for me was what it was supposed to look like. The hard breaking stuff. Now, I ain't talking about eighty two mile an hour breaking stuff. I was no. talking about the ninety three mile an hour slider with the hundred plus mile an hour fastball consistently. That we haven't seen, but man, that's impressive stuff. Yeah, Again, fun. this is—it was a lot of fun to watch that, and it was unexpected, and right? I, I'm, I'm at the Olive Garden, and I'm asking the lady, "Can you turn the WBC game on?" And all of a sudden, I, I turn around, and it says 102. Yeah, I'm like, "What the?" And I think, yeah, I think so Ken Rosenthal—if cool you're sitting there salivating about him joining the Blue Jays—I think Ken Rosenthal said he's not being posted until 2026. Um, but anyhow, there you go. Uh, we'll be. We'll be hearing more uh, about him down the road. I mentioned the Blue Jays have today off. 5 nothing. They beat the Detroit Tigers yesterday in Lakeland. Kevin Gossman looked really good. Uh, six strikeouts over five innings. Big story, I guess, tomorrow. Jose Barrios will pitch against the Orioles in Dunedin. Mitch White will throw 45 to 50 pitches, three ups and downs at the minor league complex on Wednesday. That's the schedule. Anyhow, Kevin, I wanted to ask you this about Kevin Gossman. Last year, we all remember the start Kevin Gossman had. What was it? 
40, I'm searching here, 45 strikeouts in 34 innings or 45 strikeouts in 35 innings, something like that. He didn't issue a walk until May 7th. Uh, it was a different spring for him last year, right? He was kind of, I wouldn't say he was hidden, but the Jays kept him on the minor league camp a little bit and let him he throw was in hidden. the backfield. You can say it. Yeah, they did hide him. You're right. Uh, there you go. So he's having a good spring. And we talked yesterday about Varsho and Chapman and the danger of reading too much into a bad spring. Is there a danger reading too much into a good spring for a pitcher? See, because I've always looked at it this way. I think a good spring by a pitcher and a or a bad spring by a pitcher can be more telling than a good spring or a bad spring for a hitter. Because I think spring training is all about the pitcher. And the hitters are hitters are going to do what yeah, they have yeah. to do in the cage, et cetera, et cetera. I think spring training is all about the pitcher. I don't know how you feel about that. Yeah, I think but I tend to put a lot of stock in a good spring for a pitcher. Well, look at how we look at you say Kikuchi now. He's had a good spring training, and now he's the number five guy. Like, there's no question that he's getting the ball every five days. He's had a better days. spring training than we thought. Absolutely. He's something great the I last mean, two he, starts. If he, if he had, well, if he'd have had a stinker, he's he. you know what it was when you say Kikuchi is? He didn't fall off the tracks. Yeah, that's true. Like, even when he, had a bad, when he had a bad start, like he couldn't figure it out early, he kept it on the tracks and gave his team a chance to score some runs. And that, put it that, this way. I think it's a little bit of difference. Put it this way. You from there, him last year to this year. And, and put it, it, it's, this is what he's accomplished this spring. You say Kikuchi's your number five starter right now, at least doesn't scare you as much as it did six weeks ago. Six weeks ago, you would have yeah, gone, quite, I don't want anything to quite do with frankly, Quite frankly, they ain't got any other options. You, you look at the depth they got in the, ro- in the rotation in the minor leagues and what's surrounded after the fifth guy, they ain't got none. So lucky them that you say came up, showed up, and, and is starting to look somewhat like what they expected him to look like. The Kevin Gosman thing, he's oozing confidence, man. Like, it, it was... It is, when he gets runners on, it is mono e mono. I got a good heater. I don't think you can hit it. Let's see if you can. He gets right after people. He'll sprinkle in the, the slider now. He's talking about locating. He's talking about tunneling the split finger a little bit longer. He's talking about setting his eyes higher with the split finger to get it looking like his heater so they would take it so he could steal some strikes with it early in counts. So that way it's just, it's a, he's a harder at bat. Like, it's all the things that go in for me as an opening day starter. Mm. Well, and I will continue to say that. For, we'll for me, we should know, it. by the way, and in the no 23rd. Question. We should know, by the way, in the 23rd. Isn't that what John Schneider yeah, said? There's a rule. Yeah, everybody in baseball is is doing that. It's sort right. of like a handshake that you and everybody announces it on the 23rd, which, right. is, which is Thursday. So we should know that. I'm assuming the two guys that matter, Manoa and Gosman, already know. Probably. But with the starts, he's got he's got one more start. That'd be the twenty fifth. I don't know about you, but I can do math. His next start would be the thirtieth. If they stay mm-hmm. on par to yeah. every five days, the next start for him would be after the twenty fifth would be the thirtieth. So right. I'm sure they can mix that around. It's like the Manoa start. Manoa's start is the twenty fourth, his next one. Yeah. And then if they gave it to the first, that'd be seven full days of rest. Not real sure they'd want to do that. Yeah. So you might see him do some things with his well, next start around the twenty fourth. Be interesting. There's an off to see and how it is. Yeah, but you're the reason you're saying that, I just want to tell people, keep in mind there's an off day after the thirtieth, right? The the season opens yeah, in the thirty first is all because the of weather and all those things. Right. So then yeah, yeah. The second you your number two starter wouldn't go until until the first. Just uh, to remind people that. By the way, Kevin Gossman's joining yeah. us on the show uh, tomorrow yes. morning, so that's good. So uh, we'll ask him, "Are you going to be the opening day starter?" He's going to say, uh, he "Ain't going to tell you." He's going to tell. He ain't going to tell you. We'll no, ask. we'll ask anyway. We'll ask anyway. We'll ask anyway. 
But yeah, yeah he's you're, confident. You're, you're this right. Is what he, they looks, did. They, he looks really good, Kevin. He, he, I noticed this yesterday more than other starts from Gossman. I got the sense that he was really utilizing the pitch clock yesterday. I love the rhythm he had. Now it wasn't. A, it's the Tigers. It's not a. You know, it, it, it's not a great team. But I really like the rhythm he had yesterday. I like the the speed, just everything, the flow, the rhythm, everything about your, that game yesterday. To your point, it doesn't look like he's thinking about it. It looks no. like he's got a plan there. It looks like, you know, the catcher-pitcher relationship on how quickly you get me the sign and, and you know, can, then I can do things with the clock that I want to do. I You know what I think, too? I, I think he uses his fastball to his advantage. He's sort of like Verlander. I ain't going to show you my 99 your first at bat if I don't have to show it to you. But when I when I do need it, I got it to go to. I think that's interesting. Like, when you get to a certain age where you just know mechanically and, and where to land and, and where my release point is and, and like, even the, the, even the little thing of how soon I get my sign – will tell me that I have time, I can collect myself, I can use my pitches the way I want to use them. And you're seeing this with Gosman. And he's even the way he talks about his slider. I could use it all the time, but I got it. And I have confidence that I can still strike with it. I got an elimination pitch. I can throw it to a lefty if I want to do that. Like, there's a lot of things now that go into Kevin Gosman being as good as he is being and can go out and dominate games. That's all you hear from John Snyder is. It's just a Kevin Gosman start where he dominates you no matter who the team is. It's That's what they need. They need a guy, right? They need a couple of dudes that are, I got a guy to match up against your best guy, and maybe that's Kevin Gosman this year. Yeah, it'll also be, I, I, I think one of the early season storylines will be watching how the shift restrictions work in, in Kevin Gossman starts because last year, let's be clear last year, uh, there were times where he was not happy with some he of gave the, up some cheap hits and he, he gave didn't up like some it. cheap hits. I think of that afternoon yeah. start last year. I, I can't remember what game it was an afternoon start in the summer and the Jays rested a bunch of their uh, veterans and Kevin was, uh, Kevin was out there. The defense wasn't great. I, you know, if you look at Kevin Gossman last year, batting average balls in play was over 360. You know, think about that. So basically, when he throws the ball, it's good until somebody hits it. And then bad bad stuff's going to happen. Yeah, that's so a lo- hope, for me, that's a loaded stat. Defense, because he- hopefully the defense will help him in the outfield. Yeah, well, again, you, you could you could sort of look at it a couple of ways. You know, it's it's a lot of there's a lot of smart people putting the defenders in in positions to catch the baseball, and a lot of that is you know you want your pitchers to pitch. Don't always turn around and worry about the defense is. And I also that that three sixty thing a little bit of that is too. He doesn't walk anybody right. He's gonna pound the zone like three oh three one. You're getting something to hit. Mm-hmm. He's That's coming fair. right after That's you. Fair. He's not gonna nibble at you because he doesn't want to walk you. He'd rather give up the solo homer than the two-run homer and that's the sort of the when you evolving into who you are which he has now you know he's going to tinker and add some things like the slider like the you know the the eye slot of where he wants the catcher's target for the split finger to steal a strike with the split finger so he can get that other little putting it in the hitter's mind that he can do it but there's that okay 3-0-3-1 fastball counts you're getting a hater 
I ain't going to walk you. You're going to have to put the ball in place. So I think that 360, you can look at it a couple of different ways. But, I, I, Jeff, all I see is confidence, man. Every time he gets the ball, he wants to dominate you, and I like that. Like, there's a little bit of, I'm the best guy you got, and I'm going to show you every fifth day. Can you talk a little more about the ice lot when, when you talk about that? Because, look, uh, I'm not going to say who, who told us this, but we were told last year that, that one concern the Jays had was that when Danny, and, it, and this isn't a criticism of Danny Jansen or, or Kevin Gossman, but that there were some tells in how Danny Jansen was setting up that, that tipped well, off. Well, tell them what that is. The, 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 wide, the, the wider he was means the ball was down. Correct, the exactly. The closer his feet were meant that they were going to go somewhere in, else in the hitting zone. That would give it away. Right, and it was obvious. I mean, you, you could tell from the center field camera. Yeah. You'd watch it. And, of course, we can see it. Either. But uh, does that have anything to do with with – with when you talk about the eye slot, where are the eyes looking? Yeah, I think I think it does. But against Kevin Gosman, and he's even said this, he says this all the time, is you see it down, you let it go because it's so nasty, the split finger. He wants it to look like a strike. It's never going to be a strike. Now he's changed the mindset because hitters have made adjustments. We've seen that, right? They they Those at-bats where they just kept taking it because they were seeing it out of the hand. No, they saw it down. That's why they were taking it. And now in, in split finger counts, he would throw fastballs down. He wanted that called strike to make it harder for that hitter to take the pitch. That, I think, is what you're talking about. The setup for the catcher is, I'm going to put the glove a little higher. I'm going to throw my split finger at that target so it's a strike, right? Because he wants the tunneling, the late break, and it not to break out of the strike zone so it's called a strike. Now, all of a sudden, that hitter's going, "Uh uh-oh. Now that's something else that I have to change my eyes to look everywhere in the strike zone because he's made adjustments. That's what it is, right? The league makes adjustments to you. You have to make adjustments back. It's sort of like Manoa throwing more change-ups to lefties and righties. He has to. Mm. Like, this is sort of mm. that sophomore thing, right? Now you're trying to evolve into the league's made adjustment. They know you got a sneaky heater. They know your slider doesn't always break. And now they are going to be aggressive on certain counts against those pitches. Well, if you add a changeup, better arm speed on it, better location on it, the mile per hour difference between your changeup and your fastball. Now it's going to be tougher at bat for that guy to go up and have the at bat that he wants to have. Gosman's no different. It's just Gosman's got 99, Jeff. That, that, that is for me the big surprise here is when he wants it and he needs it, he got it. And, and he can pitch at 99, right? Mm-hmm. It's not a mm-hmm. fluctuation. It's going to be 94, more 94s, more 99s. We've seen it. When he's in the flow and he's getting that foot down where it's supposed to be and the release points there, he's pitching at 99. And that, for me, is just – it's it's different kind of stuff, man. It's it's uh, it's elite stuff. And, and going into a championship season and going into a playoff – where you need that guy that can dominate and make it easier for everybody, including the manager – now I think they've got their guy in Kevin Gosman. Let's, uh, before we break and uh, are joined by Brian Anderson, Rays analyst, because uh, we are going to start taking a look around the American League East. Uh, opening day is a week from Thursday. A reminder, we'll go to two hours on Wednesday, next Wednesday, not tomorrow, next Wednesday, but we're going to start taking a look around the American League, so BA will join us uh, in, in a few minutes to take a look at the Rays. Uh, the focus now, Kevin, we've talked about this. The focus continues to be the battle, quote-unquote battle, for the 26th man. 
Uh, the Jays moved a bunch of dudes out of camp yesterday. Addison Barger was 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 sent down. There were no surprises. Barger, I'm sorry, was sent down. There's there's no surprises there. Otto Lopez and uh, Nathan Lucas still very much. They seem to be the the one two guys for that 26 spot. Uh, if people are interested, they both have options. Yeah. They both have options left. Nathan Lucas, I think you said is three. Three options. So Otto Lopez has one option left. Yep. I, I guess what I'm saying is just because the dude a dude doesn't make it out of spring training doesn't mean that he isn't going to be up here in April or May. I, I can see them. You may see, depending on the health of the outfield, you may see them running some sort of shuttle between Buffalo and Toronto uh, for no Nathan question. Lucas. Because it's I, the thing, look, I, it, I've said to me, Otto Lopez is a guy because my last guy in the roster has to be able to play the infield. He just does. He has to have multiple positions. He's got more positions than positions than Nathan Lucas. But Kevin, this is a guy they kept around all year. It's a guy they brought into spring training. Uh, mm-hmm. Somebody in the organization likes Nathan Lucas. Like, you know as well I think as they I all do. do. I you know, think they you all know do. as well as I do, Kevin. If, if if they didn't think you could do, I mean, they're not. They ain't running a charity. If they didn't think you could help them, they're not keeping you around. But yeah. Here we are, what, uh, March 21st. Nathan Lucas is still here with the team. Yeah, the con- when, the, when the conversation with the manager is in some in a, in a closed-door meeting with you and the manager says, we know what you can do, don't come here and try and do anything other than that. And that's what he was told. Absolutely. That that is that is that's all you need to know, right? It's it's not you're not coming to spring training and making a team. I think they sort of know where he fits in, how he fits in. Now now do we know who who that 26 guy is? Not really. I mean, I I you could you could flip it against the wall and take either guy you want to take. I I'm not I, I think Capper's still in the picture too. Is he not or was he sent out yesterday? I, I, I I don't, I don't for me it was never in the picture. Okay. I mean I, I know there were some rumblings, conversations that they'd like him and and he can do some things. He's a smart guy, he's not gonna hurt your team. That's the most important part of this thing, Jeff, is your twenty six guy, is he gonna hurt your team? Is he gonna sit over there for a couple days and can he play defense? If the balls hit to him when he throw it to the right guy from the outfield, he's not gonna miss a cutoff guy to give the guy the extra base late in the game. If you think Nathan Lucas can do that, take him north. If you don't think he can do that, send him to the minor leagues. But I think the two guys here are send him to the minor. One of them's going to go to the minor leagues, obviously. But I don't think it's to get more seasoning. No, they are what they right. are. Yeah. They are what they are. Nathan Lucas' swing is what it is. His defense, he can play good defense in all three positions. They trust him late in games to go out there, and he's going to catch the ball. He's going to throw it to the cutoff guy. Otto Lopez is sort of the same kind of guy, right? For me, the only difference is is I think Otto Lopez can use the entire field, and he can play the infield. Yeah. That, for me, is why I say that would give him a leg up. Yeah. Now, they may be think, thinking otherwise, but, again, I don't think you overthink the 26 guy. It is what it is, and I'm with you. That probably going to be in a, a revolving door because of what goes on on your team with guys that matter the most. If George Springer gets hurt, it'll be Nathan Lucas, right? So mm-hmm. it's sort of a little bit like that. If one of your second basemen get hurt, Otto Lopez, you'll see more of him. It's just sort of that kind of thing, right? Brian Anderson is a Tampa Bay Rays analyst. I mean, there's a whole bunch of new rules in Major League Baseball this year. Uh, and by, by the way, Ken, uh, the Athletic reporting that some of those rules they may be tinkering with before the regular season. I don't know how, I don't know what the definition of tinkering is. I can't imagine that after, after running the clock for 15 and 20 seconds in spring training, all of a sudden you go 18 and 22. I, I mean, I just can't imagine that. But uh, 
a bunch of new rules in Major League Baseball, restrictions on the shift. We think that the Tampa Bay Rays have probably gamed this somehow. They've cargo got some, shorts are figuring something yeah, out. Yeah, the, the, the khaki <laughs> shorts are the cargo shorts. They've figured something out. We'll see if Brian Anderson, maybe Brian Anderson's taking a trip to the secret underground city because the Rays are playing a Tropicana field now because of hurricane damage to their ballpark. They've been in, they've been in the underground city now for a they long have. time. They have. Doesn't no, bode well time. for teams that they're about to face. Maybe we'll see. Maybe there's something behind that iron door, that, that door that closes. <laughs> We'll find out. Brian B.A. would know. He would know. Brian Anderson joins us next. It's Blair and Barker on 593-16, wherever you get your favorite podcast. Breaking down the top stories in the NHL every day. The Jeff Mary Show. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, a reminder, the back leg line is 416-413. Three nine five nine questions or comments for Kevin Barker. Barker's still down in Florida for another couple of days, so uh, if you've got an assignment for him, you can leave a voice note. Two more days and you're back home. Hush. Be nice. I am being nice. I'm, I'm looking forward to having you back in the studio on Friday. What's the weather like in Toronto? It's gorgeous today. It's like nine, sunny. Great. Of course, that just means that four more roads are under construction <laughs> now as a result of that. Uh, stay hot. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, anyhow. Uh, and a, Oh, and a, a reminder that tomorrow uh, Kevin Gossman yeah. will join us. And uh, maybe we'll get to the bottom of the opening day starter mystery. Although I don't think we will. I'm not certain it's a mystery. He ain't going to tell you nothing. No, I don't think he will. Um we're going to start our uh, our tour, I guess, if you want to call it that, of American League East teams. And uh, opening day is Thursday. The Jays are in St. Louis. They are away from home for the first two weeks of the season because of the renovations at the Rogers Center. And uh, they'll also be, a, I didn't realize this at the time, but apparently they're going to spend the first couple of weeks on the road next season as well as a result of uh, another stage in Rogers Center construction. So let's start our tour around the American League East in the underground city. Let's go to Tampa. (laughs) St. Petersburg, actually, home of the Tampa Bay Rays. Rays analyst Brian Anderson joining us. Brian, thanks so much for for joining us today. Trust that you're doing well. Look, my friend Barker jokes about there being an underground city, a Tropicana field where... Oh, there is. You know, where there's all these mad, mad, mad scientists around doing baseball experiments. And and I've got to ask you, because I know that you you do have a pass to get down into the underground city uh, at the Trop. All these new rules. What are the Rays... Have they... Have they... Are they going to do anything to surprise us this year? Like, are, are we going to see a nine-man outfield or something like that? Uh, I mean, they've got to come up with something, right? Why, you know what? Here's the thing. Why are you asking me? I, I, I mean, I don't know. I, I, I tell people this all the time and, and, and laugh about it. Just when you think you have this team figured out, they all of a sudden pull something out. And you're like, you know what? As close as I am to them, riding the plane with them, spending time with them, talking to the coaching staff, talking to the front office, talking to the players, and here they pull something out that you had absolutely no idea that was coming. So I have no idea, but I do know this 
Um, the Rays, much like every other team, but the Rays seem to be pretty good at it. They are going to look to find ways to exploit these new rules. I did see um, it interesting in the pitch clock. I saw Shane McClanahan do this early on, and I'm sure that you've seen it uh, across the league. But because hitters, um, you know, only get one timeout, if you waste that timeout early in an at bat, all of a sudden now the pitcher can come set quicker and force you to sit in your batting stance, which you know hitters are very rhythmic, much like pitchers, but hitters don't like to be stuck in their batting stance for an awful long time. They get stale. And so we saw Shane McClanahan do that with, you know, uh, there was an early uh, timeout call after the second pitch of the at-bat with a runner on, and then right after that, Shane McClanahan comes set quick and forces that hitter to just stand there in his stance and holds it for like 10 seconds and then delivers a pitch. And so you're seeing little games like that being played around the league um, with that pitch clock and, and, you know, whatever kind of advantages that pitchers and or hitters think that they can glean from it. But you know that the Rays are going to be at the forefront for sure. B.A., is there a guy in that rotation other than Shane? And it would have been Tyler Glass now if he would have been healthy. Obviously, it looks like he's going to come back sometime in April. Is there there another guy in the rotation other than those two guys that you think needs to stand out to help this team go a little bit further than they went last year? You know, I think that the one thing, you know, when you look at the Rays, uh, they did, they've done a lot of openers and bolt guys and, and messed around with their pitching staff. This is a, the first season in a long time where the Rays go in with a full starting rotation. You talked about it. Tyler Glass now hurt. Hopefully he's back by the, by the end of April. And you've got Shane McClanahan. You also have holdovers from last year. You've got Drew Rasmussen, uh, you know, who did an excellent job. Jeffrey Springs, a left-hander, kind of a complimentary pitcher type to Shane McClanahan, where he's all power. Jeffrey Springs is, you know, locate the fastball and a very good changeup. And then you've got the free agent acquisition, Zach Eflin. Uh, and they gave him three years and $40 million. And I know $40 million doesn't sound like a ton, but that's the most money that the Rays have spent on a free agent, not one of their own players, but on a free agent in the history of, uh, of the organization. And so they expect big things from him. And I think that he, because he's kind of an unknown around here, you know, we don't know a whole lot about Zach Eflin, haven't seen a whole lot of him. I think he seems to be the guy that you really want to stand out. We know what Drew Rasmussen can do. We've seen Jeffrey Springs. They can go out there and on any given night, you know, have a, a great game and dominate the opposition. So can Shane McClanahan and obviously Tyler Glass now. But Zach Eflin, he's a different style, a lot of ground balls, more of a two-seamer guy with a lot of run, tries to keep the ball on the ground, keep the infielders busy, just a different style that uh, that the Rays will throw you know, at the opposition. I think that he's a guy that everybody's excited to see because if he's able to come through, knowing what everybody else can do and combining that with the Rays' bullpen, you feel really good about being in, in every game because of the, the pitching and the defense. Yeah, you talked about the pitching. Has there been any tweaks last year that had some injuries? Is there any concerns that things they have been doing – you know, the way they've been using their pitchers. You know, you add the pitch clock. That just seems like that's a hurried-up thing, right? Maybe that will cause more injuries. Has there been any tweaks that you notice in spring training? They're playing with anything that they're trying to keep these dudes on the field a little bit longer? 
You know what? Not really. I, I, they've been going at it, you know, kind of like a standard spring training with the buildup. You know, start with an inning and then two, then three, then four. I think Drew Rasmussen in his last outing, most recent, uh, he was five innings, 56 pitches. You know, the Rays pitching philosophy, it's pretty simple. Uh, you know, they know what they're looking for as far as, you, you know, the, the attributes of pitches, how they spin, how they move how they can shape them. You know, the Rays have one of the best pitching labs uh, in their underground city in Major League Baseball. And so what they do when they get these pitches moving and they get these pitches breaking the way that they want them to, they encourage their guys, go out and pound the strike zone. Pound the strike zone, and then if you want to expand late, expand late, but they preach that and hammer that home, and these guys really buy in. And so you see them be able to go out and get deeper into a game with really their pitch count well under you know, control. Like I said, Drew Rasmussen's last outing, granted spring training, five innings, 56 pitches. But as far as doing anything different, it looks pretty much at this point like uh, you know, standard operating procedure. They're letting these guys go out. They're letting them build up. Um, they've been managing the pitch clock very, very well. And uh, you expect that you know, to, to hold going into the regular season. Brian, back when the World Baseball Classic was in its in- infancy, I remember talking to Buck Martinez, who was managing Team USA, and, and we talked about the risk and reward of, of having your players in the World Baseball Classic. And one of the things Buck said is he thought for a certain type of player, the sort of the jolt to the competitive juices that would come from being placed in a pressurized ultra competitive situation early in the year could actually be a benefit and really set them on their course for the regular season. If that's the case, I got to think the Rays were thrilled with what they saw out of Randy Rosarena and, uh, and Isaac Paredes in, in the world baseball classic. Cause they were terrific. I beyond Randy Rosarena was I mean beyond terrific other than Shohei, Shohei Otani. He's been the star of the WBC. Yeah, well, yes, and, and there's something about Randy Rosarena. When the lights get brighter, his game gets bigger. You know, you think about the run that he went on in the 2020 playoffs when the Rays went to the World Series, ultimately defeated by the Los Angeles Dodgers. But he hit 10 home runs in in yeah. that playoff run, and he was just in the middle of everything. And that just seems to be the way that Randy plays. He loves the big stage and the bright lights, so it's no surprise that he has gone off in the, in the WBC. And you're also right about Isak Paredes. You know, this is a kid who the Rays are, are he, he kind of, you know, was a, a trade that was kind of under the radar that the Rays brought him in. And then last year, I don't want to say he burst onto the scene, but he certainly had a presence, you know, 20 home runs. And all of a sudden he opened some eyes like, Hey, this guy's playing, you know, a good third base. They can move him around. He's versatile. He's handled the bat well. And they're hoping that, that he can make that, you know, that, that, that take that next step and uh, develop even just a little bit more. That's kind of what they're banking on as far as the position players go, because they really didn't go out and, and change anything from an offense that was, was not great uh, a season ago. So they're hoping guys can take the next step, but you've seen Paredes, you know, perform, of course, a Rose arena. And I think that what Buck Martinez was talking about is absolutely true. When you're in games this meaningful and games where the players are this passionate, the fans are that passionate, and you're getting ready to go into a season after having played in games like that, you are more than ready. I mean, more than ready. Opening day will be almost a letdown 
as far as the buzz that we've seen from this WBC. How how has the lineup for the race handled the pitch clock? We talked about the pitching. How have they handled the pitch clock and the the things that had to go with that? You know, I mean, early on, it it was, uh, you know, I don't want to say it was difficult. It wasn't like there were a lot of violations, but there were some hiccups. I think it's just a matter of getting into a new routine. It's not going to be all about you being able to take your time and, you know, re-strapping your batting gloves after you take a pitch. You know, it's going to be, let's play. Let's, let's be ready to hit, uh, you know, stay in the batter's box. And I think like everybody else around the league, with the younger players that were coming up from the minor leagues, they've been used to this because they've been doing this, um, you know, down in, in, uh, in, in AAA a, a season ago. So they have an understanding of it. The veteran player, of course, it's, there's going to be an adjustment. But we are talking about the best baseball players in the world, some of the best athletes in the world, they will make the adjustment. And I think that around the game, we have seen that. And where you think that the pitch clock is a lot more advantageous for the pitcher, we've heard some hitters come out. You know, Aaron Judge, you know, some different guys around the game that have a lot of clout when they talk saying, hey, kind of like this. You know, it gets me in a more aggressive mindset. It keeps me ready to go. Um, You know, these guys are, again, they're athletes. They want to play. And with this pitch clock, it is forcing them to play at a quicker pace, and I think it's great for the game. Last question uh, from us, Brian. What do the Rays need to see in this final week? Is there a position battle or something they need to see in this final week before the season starts? You know, that's going to be really interesting. I I think that, you know – Looking at bench players, you know, that, that was a raise went into the season with a 26 man um, roster uh, outside of guys getting hurt. They had like 23 or 24 of the spots already filled. So you were looking for a couple extra bench players. And I don't know how much more they need to see. Luke Rayleigh was a guy who was in the mix. He's having an outstanding spring hitting for power, hitting for average. So he looks to have nailed down a spot. You know, Josh Lowe is another guy. Is he going to start to emerge? He was up and down last year, one of their top prospects, but he's had a nice spring too. So I I think that you're getting to the point where the roster is really almost set itself. I think what they want to see for the next week or so is health, stay healthy. That's what they're banking on. Because again, this was an offense that really did not, you know, they scored 200 runs less a season ago than they did the year before. And, so, and with no real off-season acquisitions. So they need guys to stay healthy. They need Brandon Lau to stay healthy, be on the field more than 60 games, and try to you know, replicate the 39 home runs that he hit back in uh, 2021. Wander Franco, stay on the field. Manuel Margot, stay on the field. That right now for the Rays is the concern. Stay healthy, they feel like they have enough offense, and that's what they're crossing their fingers and hoping for as they move into the regular season here in a little over a week. Brian, really good of you to do this, my friend. Thanks so much. We'll look forward to chatting during the season and seeing you in Toronto. Take care. Thanks. Yes, take care, boys. Brian Anderson, Rays analyst. Yeah, they're going to be a pain. (laughs) They're going to be the Rays. (laughs) They're going to. Oh, I got. Gonna. I mean, I I I got to make. We're we're doing some stuff for the website. I'm, I'm picking them to be one of the wild card teams. I mean, I I think there's going to be. I mean, who the hell knows? I think there's going to be three teams out of the East this year, again. Yep. And you can argue, I, yep. I, or again, I don't know if you can't even remember what happened last year. But I think there's going to be three teams out of the East. I just. I mean, I've tried to look at reasons. Hey, Tyler Glasnow's out until. 
the end of April, mid-April, pardon me. Shane Boz is done. He's got TJ surgery. We didn't mention mm-hmm. this. Andrew Kittredge, he's out till halfway through the season as well. And your initial reaction is, gee, that's too bad. But so what? Yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, yeah. I, I, because it, 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 it's the Rays. And you're right, Ed, and B.A.'s right. If that lineup is healthy, no you know, question. if Manuel Margo, we don't talk about him, he's healthy. If Bronco. Brandon uh, Lau is healthy. Yep. And if Wander Franco stays healthy. Yep. That's, that's a tough lineup. It's balanced. It's tough. You know that they're going to play good defense. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, I... They got, good, they got a good manager. They, they got a good front office. Uh, they got players who bought into what they're, what they're selling. Yeah, they're going to be a pain in the butt. Got, you're going to have to beat them. I got a real feel. I got a feeling... As much as I'm I'm down on the Red Sox, I just think the Red Sox are the pitching. The Orioles, who the hell knows? I think the Orioles, I don't think they're going to fall off as much as people. I think East is going to be tough this year. It's not, it is. It, the, I think the road to the title still goes through the Bronx. But it's going to be tough this year. I, I don't think there are going to be too many gimmies because, uh, you know, again, if the Red Sox get any sort of pitching. Um, who stays the healthiest? I, yes. I really do think it's going to come down to that. Yeah. Who doesn't lose their biggest guy for the longest? 416-413-3959. That is the back leg line where you get a chance to leave questions, comments for Barker, or give him an assignment for another couple of days that he is down in Florida. We have a caller. Is this a comment or an assignment from uh, Johnny in Vancouver? Why don't we just play it and find out? Johnny. Just an assignment for Kevin. Oh, Wondering awesome. if Dalton Varsho is doing any catching at all, getting to know some of the pitching staff. Uh, I know that he's brought in to be the outfielder, uh, left field, left fielder mostly, but uh, would it benefit the team if he had some reps, especially as a late-game defensive replacement um, or, or in case of emergency? So thanks very much. Love the show. And, uh, yeah, go Jays. Thanks, Johnny. There you go, Kevin. That's uh... – it's an assignment. Yeah, it's not an assignment. <laughs> okay. Like no, no. The answer, the 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 short answer is no. Like they're a better team with him playing left every single day. The emergency thing, that for me is when you would see him catching. Yeah, I think. Do they want him starting a game behind the plate? No. Absolutely not. No, I, I like, think when when, no. when that trade was made, Ross Atkins mentioned, you know, that there was that the utility of having having him having some experience catching, but. You know, I think you're right. I, I, I've been told that when they say he's an emergency catcher, they mean like an emergency. They mean like <laughs> Danny it. Jansen's already in the, you know, like we're talking yeah. ninth inning, two out, two strikes. Yeah. Somebody's broken a thumb. Well, then he's going to be the catcher. Him or Santiago Espinal. Exactly. Him. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. If, if somebody's gone for two weeks, hello, Rob Brantley. Come on Absolutely. Up. Absolutely. One more caller. No name of the caller is from Alberta. So, uh, well, I'm always kind of suspicious when people from Alberta call up with no name. I don't know where this could go, but let's, Barker, let's see where this is going to go. Hi, Kevin and Jeff. Love the show. Uh, My question is, what defensive adjustments does George have to make from center field to right field? Um, And how often do you think we'll see him DHing this year? Thank you. Bye. That's a good question, Mr. Barker. Have at it. Oh, that's a good. You want me to answer that now, or you want me to do that later? No, that's not an assignment. That's a question. Uh, okay, the the DH thing. Look, I 
I could see maybe let's let's think about this. I I could probably see seven days a week. You're either getting four or five days in right field. You get two or three days DHing. I'm sure they give the they give the occasional because you know it's just that's the way they do it now. You get the occasional day game after a night game off. That way you could put Bell at first, give Vladdy DH day. So and then you put somebody else, whoever else you want to put in right field. So I'm I'm assuming they're going to do the best they can do about keeping him on the field that way. Uh, the adjustments he'd make in right field. I don't think any. I've had conversations with him. I've had conversations with, with uh, Mark Budzinski. I don't think any. I think the ball that slices away from the righty to right field, I think it's about jumps. I think it's about being aware of, you know, just being ready to go after a baseball in right field a little bit better than you are in center field. You can see the ball a little bit better in center field, right? That ball that comes from the right-handed hitter to you in right field. But, Jeff, we've been saying this. He's a much better, for me anyway, and numbers will tell you and khakis will tell you, he's a much better right fielder than he is center field. We've talked about our friend friend Steve Sparks, the uh, uh, Rays analyst, when George signed here, said he's a better right fielder and center fielder. I mean, he may. There's an ego thing attached to center field with him, which is fine, but he's a better right fielder than he is center. It field. is too, and I think right field will keep him on his feet more, Absolutely. which will keep him in the lineup more. That's it for us today. I want to thank Jen, Lance, Mark for uh, getting us through the show. A couple more days in Florida for Mr. Barker, and he's back. We'll be back tomorrow. Kevin Gossman will join us from Florida. Again, 11 to noon Eastern on Sportsnet 590, the fan Sportsnet 360. Leave us a nice review if you're listening to us via podcast. But most importantly, have yourself a great day.